Well, if you would stand with me as we read from our text once again in Romans chapter number 15. Brother Donnie took me way back this week. He's taken some of the old cassette tapes from back here in the what we still call the tape room, generally, if somebody's referring to it, even though we don't use tapes anymore. But Brother Donnie, hmm? I'm sorry. Scotch tape? Oh, no, okay. There may be some scotch tape, but there is a lot, there are a lot of cassette tapes back there, but uh, Brother Donnie took some to try to put into digital format and put on the uh, sermon audio side eventually. But I think, I guess the first box that you, is it mostly First Samuel? Is that what it is, or is it a just? Oh, just grab two random tapes, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we got to talking about that some more, and Teresa thinks it was actually um, there was a man that worked for us at the time, and he had a little girl. Um, when she got a little bit older than probably that, there was one time she got loose and she was running around me up here. <laughs> And uh, they weren't moving, so I just said, well, don't worry about her. Just keep, I'll keep preaching, you know. But I think they finally got a hold of her. Um, but uh, anyway, took me back a few years. What did we say that was? 20, what is that, 20 what? Four years ago? 1999. So uh, I, was, I was much younger back then. I guess I was, uh, yeah, yeah. You could hear it in my voice. I, was, I sounded a lot younger, so. Uh, I sound older this morning. My voice is a little, a little deeper, um, but uh, Lord helping me, I, I pray that that uh, I will be of some benefit to you, able to admonish you this morning somewhat. Romans chapter fifteen will begin reading in verse number thirteen. We'll read through verse number sixteen. Romans fifteen. Verse number 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now read that, going back that far, even though that was probably two Sundays ago, because of where we end up, you know, at the end of verse number 16, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. And I myself also am persuaded of you, that's verse number 14, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind. That reminds me of Peter, doesn't it, you? Peter says he's going to put these things back in your, in your remembrance and stir you up, you know, put them back to my, into your mind. Uh, because of the grace of, of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Now, that makes you hearken back, doesn't it, to what the Lord said to Paul? He said, "You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you as a light unto the Gentiles." Um, and you remember there was that the one man that was sent to lay his hands upon Paul because Paul, you know, his eyes were blind and. And uh, the Lord sent him, and the man saying, Lord, don't you know who this man is? As if the Lord didn't know. Um, you know, he's put Christians into prison, and, 
and uh, all these sorts of things, and and it just quiets all of his concerns and and questions that he's bringing up, uh, saying, "This is a chosen vessel of mine." Yeah, and I'm going to show he, he's going to suffer many things. And there had been many that had suffered at Paul's hands, but he was going to suffer many things at the hands of many other people, even his own countrymen, um, just because of this. Verse number 16 saying that he's going to be a minister um, of Jesus Christ unto the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. You know, that's a term that we find a lot in the book of Romans. Paul uses that. Uh, we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, but Paul talks about the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable. How's that? How's that going to be, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost? Well, let's, let's pray. Father, as we bow before you this morning, we just ask that you'd redeem this time. We ask that you would give us ears to hear. We ask that you would help the one who's speaking. Uh, Father, that you would... Um, cause this time to be not only profitable unto us, but also that it would be a time that would magnify and glorify you, um, Father, that we might uh, see those things that we ought to see and hear those things that we ought to hear, and that we might be doers of those things also. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, you know, last week we spoke of Paul writing this letter, and you you got to keep that keep that in mind. This is a letter. You ever written a letter like this? I mean, I wrote some long letters to Teresa before we got married, you know. But I don't know that I ever read, wrote. You know, I mean, this is sixteen chapters. I mean, how many pages you know this is? But but uh, this is a long, you know, letter. A lot of us had run out of things to say before we wrote a letter of this length to anyone. But he's writing, not only is it a letter, but he's writing a letter to, for the most part, we do have names at the end of the book of people like, for instance, Aquila and Priscilla. Um, There are some people that he knew, you know, but for the most part, these are people that Paul hasn't been here yet. Paul hasn't gone. This This is a little bit unusual in a way, because Paul longs to go and see them, but it's not a church that he founded. You know, it's not a church that he planted, in other words. Not founded, but planted is a better word. Because that was the thing that, was, that we read in Scripture, isn't it? Paul says, I planted, and what? Apollos watered. You know, I would, in that category, I would put myself as a waterer. Yeah. I mean, here I am. I, I, didn't, I didn't start this work here. Uh, this work was, was here before I came along. I mean, you look outside, it says established 1847. I wasn't born, you know, until 1968. Uh, so I didn't have anything to do, you know, with this in its inception. But that was typical of Paul, wasn't it? He went around... And the places that he went were places that he began to preach. He'd start in the synagogue, and he began to preach unto the Gentiles there. And he wouldn't leave a lot of those places until they were established. And then he'd move on. He'd go back at times and revisit those people, but, but they would be established. Well, this is somebody he's writing to 
Now, he hadn't been there yet, so that's a little bit unusual, isn't it? Um, so he hadn't met him, but this he was persuaded of, and this is what we spoke of last week. He was persuaded of what? That they were full of goodness. That they were filled with knowledge and able also to admonish one another. You know, we, we talked about from the standpoint of not ever having met them, he was able to say this, and we understand why, because it goes back to verse number 13. We started reading there. It's all through the power of the Holy Ghost. And there were people there. There were people that Paul talks about at the end of this letter that were Christians before he was, that were a part of, of uh, this assembly, whether it was one you know, <clears throat> church there, it was you know, several churches, you know, we don't really know for sure. I mean, it kind of gets some indication at the end of the 16th chapter that it might have been you know, more than one uh, group of people that gathered together. You know, we've got more than one group of people that gather together, you know, in, in, in the circles that we know. Um, you know, here we are in, 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 in Cheetah, but, you know, Brother Barney's there in, in Carthage, and Brother Pete's down there in, in Beaumont, and there's lots, you know, in between, um, you know, all those places. But, but um, Paul's writing here, you know, to a people, like we said, that he has not yet met, but is persuaded, convinced that they're full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. And that being the case, he says, I've, I've written, this gets into the beginning of where we'll start this morning, in verse number 15, he says, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort. Well, what's he really, what's he saying there? I've written the more boldly unto you, you know, in some sort. So he, he wrote boldly, he wrote, you know, confidently, um, to these, for the most part, that he, he didn't know. But here he is, he's seeking to feed them with the sincere milk of the word. He, he, can't, he can't get there yet. He wants to get there. I mean, we see that as, we'll see that as we get along, you know, towards the end of the, end of the book. But he, he longs to go and see them. And he's, and he's wanting, as he goes through to see them, he wants to not only encourage them, but he wants to be encouraged by them as he's on his way to Spain. You know, that was his intent. Um, so here he is seeking to impart what he can unto them. Um, and and as, you, as you read some other accounts, you know, and you see some things in other places in Scripture, you see that there were, as he's on his way, he's captive, of course, by the time he makes it, you know, to Rome, right? As he's on his way, there are people who walk miles to be able to to greet him i'm not talking about just a few miles i'm talking about like 30 miles you know to be able to to be there to greet him you know on his way and <clears throat> so it's a it's a remarkable letter you know in some respects i, I if i if i can I, i'm going to try to go back and i'm going to try to write you know a review you know, of each chapter for you. I know everybody hasn't been here, you know, through the entire study because we've been in this study, you know, for over five years now. You know, that's that's a long time to be in one book of the Bible. Um, but um, I'm going to try to go back if I can and write a review of these chapters just to kind of so, sort of in a way, you know, what Paul is saying here about putting some of these things in remembrance, you know, that we can remember, you know, where we've been, how we, where we've gone to get to where we are, um, to remember some of these things. I've always had the intent, 
and I've never been faithful to completely do it all the way through a study, but I've always had the intent as we went through a book to read all the chapters that we've gone through up to that point. And so we're in chapter one, just read chapter one the whole time we're in chapter one. We get to chapter two, read one and two. You know, get to chapter three, read one, two, and three. You know, and how much of that would, would, would penetrate and soak in and be retained uh, as a result. <clears throat> but as far as letters go, somebody asked me this question not long ago. They said, if you were trapped, and this is always one of these, you know, is this really going to happen? You know, you're going to ask me this question. You know, if you were, if you were trapped on a, a deserted island and you'd only have one book of the Bible, because they know what you're going to say if you say, if I could only have one book, Right. So then they go the extra mile. You know, if you don't have one book of the Bible, what would it be? Um, and so his, this is actually my optometrist was the one asking me this. And um, I can't remember. I think he said like Galatians or Ephesians. And he said, what would you? I think he asked us. Dad and I were in Home Depot and ran into him. That's where he was asking. I, would, I was thinking I was in for an eye exam. But I knew somebody was with me, and I knew that wasn't right. And you, you were with me. Um, and he said Galatians or Ephesians. But I told him, I said, I would, I would probably choose Romans. And for one, one reason for that is, you think about Paul writing this letter and putting this letter together. He's writing to people that he doesn't completely know the, the complete context of everything that they understand. You know, and so, I mean, the whole gamut of things you know, is, is covered through the, the course of the entire book. Um, so uh, that, would, that would likely be... One of the books, I mean, I don't know what book you would choose. Um, you know, we're thinking about going through a study in Psalms. That would be a, a good book also, you know, but uh, uh, especially if we got discouraged. There's places there that are a great encouragement, you know, brother. Uh, you think about why art thou uh, cast down, you know, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? You know, hope thou in God. Um, but God knew what these Roman Christians needed, right? Paul wasn't there. Paul hadn't met them. But the Spirit of God knew what these people needed to hear. I mean, these aren't just, you know, the, 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 the thoughts of Paul. You know, these aren't just the things that Paul thought, well, if I was there, you know, this is what I think that they would, they would need. I mean, they're, they're in, you know, here we are occupied by, you know, Rome in Jerusalem, but... You know, they're actually in, you know, the imperial city. Uh, and so these are things that I think they need. No. You know, we know that, that though there are many writers, right, many writers, the books of, of, of Scripture, there's one author. There is only one author of the book, and that is God. So exactly, the Holy Spirit moved these men to pen the words that they penned. Uh, so here, you know, we, we have lots of letters, right? I mean, we've got, we've got letters by, that Paul wrote to Timothy, to Titus, to Philemon. Um, you've got letters to other churches. You know, you've got, and I, and I went and I looked to see, I was curious how these different ones were, were addressed. So you've got a letter to the church of God, which is at Corinth. And that's how that one starts. Then you've got to the churches of, the churches of Galatia. More than, more than one, right? Then you've got a letter that was written to the saints at Ephesus, and then to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, and then un, it just said unto the church at Thessalonica. 
Then, like I said, there was the individual letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, you know, to Titus, to Philemon. Uh, there was the letter to the... You know, some people have, have challenged me before. I remember it was a Bible conference, and somebody challenged me about, you know, why do you think Paul wrote the, the book of uh, Hebrews, you know? Um, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. You know, what better person to write to the Hebrews than, than, than Paul? Uh, but it is generally assumed that Paul, um, you know, wrote to, to the, the Hebrews or wrote the book of Hebrews. But then you've got other people like Luke. You think about Luke. I mean, the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, both written to a man named, uh, I don't know if I pronounce his name right, but Theophilus. I think that's pretty close. Uh, James writes to the 12 tribes that are scattered, right, throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. John gets into his epistles, and he's writing unto the elect lady and her children, you know. And then he gets into the Revelation, and he's writing unto, you know, the seven churches, you know, we see there. And then Jude addresses his to those that are sanctified. And that gets to where, you know, we are this morning. The sanctification of the Holy Ghost, you know, but he says, to those that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. So not arbitrary letters that have been written, but letters that were written by God's grace. And Paul says that here. I mean, let's look at it again. Look at there in verse number 15. He says, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because, I mean, how is this? He says, because of what? The grace that is given to me of God. Right? So you're here this morning to hear something from the Lord. I'm here seeking to admonish you in the Lord. We will go out through the coming week seeking to be a light and salt you know, in this world all by the grace of God. I mean, Paul is quick, isn't he, to attribute all to the grace of God. You know, someone was, was, was speaking to me recently, and they were, <clears throat> you know, for the most part, I, I, from what I've seen, I don't think this person, you know, knows the Lord, somebody that, 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 we, that we work, you know, with. We work with a lot of people. I get a chance to witness to some at times. Um, but, you know, not as often as you would, you would like to. And, and even more than that, there's, there's, not, there's not the receptiveness that you would hope, you know, would be there. There's not the fellowship that you would like to have to be able to fellowship, you know, with the people that, that you work with and walk together, you know, in, in these things. Um, but um, they were trying to tell me what, how good a person I was. And I was like, wait a second. You know, you, you, uh, that's kind of like what we were talking about last week. We were talking about goodness, right? So you had the rich young ruler, and he comes up to the Lord, and he says, good you know, teacher, good master. And the Lord says, why do you call me good? What's the problem? Was the Lord not good? We said that last week, didn't we? Absolutely he was good. Was, it, was, was he not God? Yes, absolutely. God manifest in the flesh. The problem was that man didn't have an understanding of what good was. And so I had to admonish this person in relation to this thought and this idea that we looked at last week of what is good, what is good. But Paul is quick, like we said, to attribute the glory to God. Paul is quick to say, this is by the grace of God. 
you know this this isn't this isn't me you know i'm not smarter than you know when i was a kid the, the cartoon you know smarter than the you know, remember yogi you know smarter than the average bear you know i'm not smarter than the average bear uh, that's that's not the case um, now the lord's the lord's chosen what the weak not the mighty but the weak you know just like israel chose choosing them as a nation they were the smallest you know what what to confound the wise you know, it doesn't say that there's not any wise or not any mighty. There, there are, you know, some, but it says not many, not many. Um, you remember I told you about the king that was glad for the letter M, you know, because if he, it wasn't for the letter M, there would be not any, you know. But he said it says not many. That means there are some, you know. Um, so like I said, these aren't arbitrary letters, but they were letters written by God's grace, to those who needed them then and to us now. Given unto us now, us who need them now. Aren't you glad for the boldness with which Paul spoke? Hmm? Absolutely. Uh, aren't we thankful for the grace of God that was given unto him? Think about who's writing this letter. Think about what he was. Who he was as Saul of Tarsus. And now he is here... The Apostle Paul. I, I, I know of a couple of men that they that they they are not like you know I've, I've said of myself that I would be in the watering category, right? They're more in the planning category, and when they go to a place, they they intentionally seek out the most wicked person they can find, you know, to preach the gospel to. Um, you know, that would have, Paul would have been, you know, in that sort of a category in, in, in a way. Uh, I'm not saying he was immoral because that wasn't the case. Um, in that sense, I mean, we know that he would have had a wrong idea of what good was too, you know, as a Pharisee of the Pharisees, right? You know, he would have had a wrong idea, you know, of good because he would have thought that by keeping these commandments and thought that he had kept those commandments until he came to that place where he saw, thou shalt not covet. And he understood this goes deeper, you know, than just outward actions. This has to do with the heart, um, you know. But but as far as his deeds, you know, they were they were uh, they were wicked, you know. As far as what he was doing and persecuting the church, um, you know, how would you like to have been? I mean, you think about the man that I've already mentioned. I, I'm trying to remember his name. Was it Ananias that had to go to Paul and and lay his hands upon him so he'd receive his sight? I think that was that's right, isn't it? How would you like to have been him? And having known, you know, what, what was known about Saul of Tarsus and, and thinking that as soon as I walk into that place, blind or not, you know, he's going to order somebody, you know, uh, to arrest me. And it's not like he doesn't have any authority, you know, to do so. He's been given authority by the chief priest, you know, to go and, and do the things that he's doing. Um, so how would you like to be the person to go and witness, you know, unto Paul? Uh, well, Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus, rather, you know, be able to go and speak to him. You know, the, the man was concerned for a reason, wasn't he? Um, but it was the grace of God that was given unto him uh, that brought him to this place. I mean, you, you look at places like 1 Corinthians 15.10, right, where we see Paul saying, but by the grace of God. And we say this, don't we? 
We, we say the same thing. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I would not be. And that's what I had to tell that man that was trying to, you know, tell me how good I was. I had to tell him, by the grace of God, you know, I am what I am. Um, you know, you, you wouldn't want to know me, you know, otherwise. Um, you know, I could be the most wicked person that, that you've ever come across. I could have the foulest mouth that you've ever heard. Um, you know, I could be the kind of person that you wouldn't want to get, you know, within sight of. Uh, but, but here, Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. You know, not in vain. So we talked about God speaking in absolutes, right? God grants that grace for a purpose, and that grace is going to have its work. You know, we, we spoke about it as it's, it's, it being the work of God that we will and that we do according to his good pleasure, right? So Paul says that I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, he says, I labored more abundantly than they all. He's not boasting. He's, already, he's told us in other places, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to make my boast Christ. My boast will be Christ. He says, I labored more than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. That's why you're here this morning. If you're here and you want to hear, right? I mean, you could, you could attribute it to this, the grace of God that is with you. The grace of God that is with you. You speak to someone tomorrow at work about the Lord. It's because of the grace of God that is with you. You get up in the morning and you pray. It's because of the grace of God that is with you. Uh, you, you read the scriptures and, 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 and you're profited uh, you know, by it. And, it, and, it, and it, it, it feeds your soul. It's because of the grace of God that is with you. For by grace, right, ye are saved. And that not of yourselves. And, it, and, and our, our Brother JT is quick to tell us, right, that we, that we have been and that we are being and that we shall be saved. And that, that's something that's still being done, being, being worked you know, in us. I mean, that goes back to what's being said here about the sanctification of the Holy Ghost, right? So, the grace of God which was with me. So there's a boldness that was given unto Paul by God's grace. I mean, you, you, you think about going beyond, you know, that that we saw there in 1 Corinthians 15.10. You, you think about a boldness. And I'm not saying that, that, that he didn't pray for boldness and that he didn't, didn't ask us to pray for, for him. You know, I'm not saying that we can pray for him now, but, but as the church, you know, you see at the end of Ephesians, he, he, here he is in prison, and he's asking them to pray, pray for him that he might speak boldly as he ought to speak. Isn't that remarkable? He's in prison because he spoke boldly, but he's asking prayer that he might speak boldly as he ought to speak, you know. Think about the things that Paul suffered. I mean, we, he gives us a, a list in 2 Corinthians 11. Verse 23 says, Are they ministers? 
He's, 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 he feels a little foolish in a way because he's, he's, he's having to try to defend himself and prove himself as an apostle. You know, in a way, he says, I speak as a fool. Are they ministers of Christ? I am more. He says, and labor is more abundant. I mean, doesn't that kind of go with what we were talking about there in 1 Corinthians 15? He said, I labored more abundantly than they all. He says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 11, and labor is more abundant and stripes above measure in prisons more frequent, and deaths, I mean, at death's door, it seems, oftentimes. I mean, you, you think of the, the one thing that comes to my mind, I'm sure it comes to yours, that he was stoned and left for, as far as they were concerned, he was dead. You know, stoned and left for dead. But he says, in prisons more frequent and deaths oft, of the Jews five times, he's already talked about stripes above measure, Right? But then he goes on to say in verse 24, five times of the Jews he received 40 stripes, save one. Well, you know why that was. You know, they, you know, 39 was about the extent. The 40th one just may kill a man. You know. He says in verse 25, three times, thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That was enough, wasn't it? Um, Three times suffered shipwreck a night and day. Have I been in the deep? I don't know what that would be like. I mean, was he was he holding on to a piece of driftwood? You know, I mean, just a night and a day, just adrift. You know, um, don't know what body of, of of water necessarily. You know that the, the the creatures would have been contained in that in that in that place. You know what might you've been thinking about could get me. You know, <laughs> um, sharks certainly come to mind if you think about the ocean. But as it says in verse 26, in journeys often, in perils of waters. You know, there, there's things that we don't know. I mean, in this list, it seems, in perils of robbers, in perils of his own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness. And watchings often, and hunger and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness. And then he goes on to say, besides those things, besides those things, those things would weigh on you, right? I mean, those things would be difficult. But he says, those things are outside. I mean, the cold, the nakedness, those are the elements, you know, the hunger uh, is inside. But, but um, he says, there is that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, I've just got one to care for, right? I think about you often, you know, as the Lord brings you to mind. And as I think about you, I pray for you. You know, that's what we ought to do for each, each other constantly. Um, I think about circumstances that are going on, you know, in your lives. I think about situations, you know, that you're in. Um, and then, you know, when you say you've got an unspoken request, you know, I, I just have to wonder. You know, and I'm not going to ask because you, you've un, it's unspoken. Uh, you know, but but Lord, you know, what is this unspoken thing? Uh, you know, my, my my brother and my sister is in great need. You know, hearing this unspoken thing, it, it's such a thing that it can't even be brought out in in the midst of the church. It must be a serious thing. It must be a troubling thing to them. Um, so here, Paul talks about the care um, that weighed upon him. The care of all the churches weighed upon him. And, and it wasn't just, how are they doing? 
Um, you know, there, 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 there was false brethren. You know, he, he, he warns the, the churches, you know, that after I, after I depart, there's going to be those who are going to come in. You know, they're going to be, they're going to be wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, there was the concern. You think about David being there, you know, in, uh, in the field and he's watching his father's sheep. You know, there was a concern, you know, for those sheep, a bear, a lion, you know, a wolf, you know, those things that might come out. You know, he's, he's, he's got a concern, you know, for all the churches, all those people. I mean, here we are, we've got these devices. I'm about to grab my phone out of my pocket, but it's there. Um, but, you know, we can be in contact, you know, with one another. That wasn't the case. I mean, I read some of these times, you know, where it seems like, you know, Timothy or, or Barnabas, they're, they're going to look for Paul. They've heard he's in such and such city. Can you imagine what that would be like? I mean, you're traveling distances. You don't know they're going to be there by the time you get there. You know, you're, you're, you're dependent upon, you know, God's, God's grace, you know, in that. Um, you know, I feel led of the Lord to go and, and, and seek out Paul. And, and uh, you know, I've heard that he's here. And, and they go to that city and they begin looking for him, you know. Um, a remarkable thing, but he says that comes upon him daily, the care of all the churches. Um, so in all of those, in that list of things that you have mentioned there, and you think about Paul's boldness and think about his care and concern for these Roman Christians and then the care of all the churches that we, we see there in the passage that we just read, but all these things that happened to him, all this litany of, of, of things that, that we read about here, he says in 2 Corinthians 4.12, he says, so that he could say, death worketh in us, but life in you. Paul had given himself. He was willing to spend and to be spent, right? He wasn't going to make him a, himself a burden unto the churches that he preached unto. He worked, right? I mean, he, he, he mended tents. Uh, he did what he could in order that, that he wouldn't be a burden to the churches that he was preaching you know, unto. Uh, but not only that, but you think about how that he was in prison, how that he was beaten, how that all the things that we read about that happened to him. Uh, and he said, and deaths oft, oftentimes, in death. So he could say, death worketh in us, but life in you. You know, he was giving himself for the sake of the church. That they might have the thing that Brother JT was talking to us about this morning. Life. That he preached the gospel and the Lord might say, live unto some of those that heard. Live. Life in them. So by God's grace and by God's strength, Paul ministered life unto many, didn't he? Um, even unto these here that he had not yet even met. And if we would labor more abundantly, that was the phrase that Paul used, right? If we would labor more abundantly than we are now, I mean, we're, we're laboring, but if we would labor more abundantly, um, if we would labor with a holy boldness, full of goodness, filled with knowledge and admonishing one another to any prophet, how are we going to do that? How am I going to do that next week? How am I going to do that in the morning when I get up and, and, and begin my day? How am I going to do that? It's only going to be by what? By God's grace, you know? So I, I, I need to be bathing my day and bathing my week, you know, in, in prayer asking for God's grace that I might speak as I ought to speak, 
think as I ought to think, that I might do everything that I do, you know, to God's glory by His grace. How am I going to do that? Is it going to be my my power? No, it's going to be by the strength that He gives, right? So if I'm going to be profitable to any, here Paul's saying, you know, His profit unto any is going to, is, was by the grace of God, you know. So by the grace of God, Paul was made, and that's the next thing that we see, is that he was made a minister. He was made a minister. He didn't make himself a minister, but he was made a minister. I didn't make myself a minister. I've told you all about that before, haven't I? You remember what I said about that as a kid? You know, I mean, I was raised in church, and I would literally sit there while the preacher was preaching and say to myself, I don't ever want to be in that position. There's a lot of things you can be in life, you know, but I don't want to be that. I didn't make myself that. You know, the Lord did that. And it was an encouragement, you know, not only to the local body here at the time, because we were without, you know, a, a pastor at one point, but it was an encouragement unto other churches to see the Lord not bring somebody from somewhere else to pastor the church here, but that God would raise somebody up out of the midst of the congregation. And not only that, but someone that didn't want to do it. <laughs> you know, I have no aspiration for it. I wasn't interested in, in, in any degree. Um, not that I didn't want to glorify God in my life. You know, I would, I, would, I would mow the yard out there. I told you about that too, haven't I? And as a kid, I would be out there mowing, and I would say, Lord, I want to be able to do even this, you know, to your glory. Because um, I wanted to scalp the yard. I wanted to put it on the lowest setting, you know. And that way I wouldn't have to mow it next week. And my grandpa would come along and he'd say, nope. He said, this is the setting I want you to have it on right here. Yes, sir. You know, Lord, I want to do, you know, what you've, what you've given me to do. You know, and if, and if this is the way I've got to do it and I've got to mow it, you know, twice a week, then, then I want to be able to do that with the right heart and, and, and with the right spirit and, and do it unto your glory. Um, but this I did not aspire, you know, unto. Um, so Paul says he was made a minister of the gospel. So the authority that Paul had wasn't his own. It was God's. It was God's authority. And the success of the efforts of that ministry wouldn't be Paul's. They would be God's. They would be God's. So we go back to that passage I've already mentioned, you know, where Paul says, I've planted, and Apollos has watered in 1 Corinthians 3, but God gives the increase. God gives the increase. Brother Donnie and I were on this note yesterday because I didn't want him to feel, there's a lot of tapes back there. There's years where you think about it, he was in 1999. Uh, I don't know what, I have to go back and see what year it was we first began uh, to record these and put them on sermon audio, but there's a lot of cassette tapes back there, and I was I was saying to him, I don't want you to feel obligated to do this. If you feel led of the Lord to do it, then let's 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 go forward, you know. But I don't want you to feel obligated to do it because I brought it up, you know. And he said, if one person, and same way I feel about this, he said, if one person benefits then, you know, I'm, I'm glad, you know, to do it. And so I returned back to him as we were texting. I said, I feel the same way about, you know, standing up here. If only one person in, in an entire life, 
you know, I've, I've, I've been here now for, I guess it's been nearly 27 years, maybe 27 years, preaching. If only one person's converted in that, in, in, the, in the entire 27 years, or the, if there's 27 more, how valuable is a soul? You know? How much is a soul worth? Right? It, it would be worth it. You know? But, um, here I am, watering. You know, here Paul was planting. Uh, but God's the one that gives the increase. The one that plants not anything, and the one that waters not anything, he says. But it's God. It's God that gives the increase by his grace. So Paul has put the Christians at Rome in remembrance of needful things. I mean, you, 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 you think about what's going to happen with some of these people. You know, we don't know all their names, but what did Nero do to many of the Christians, right? I mean, you, you, might, be, you might be a lamp at a garden party, you know, and line the streets with, with Christians on poles, having burned them upon a stake, you know. Um, so you think there's some needful things that, that in, within this letter that he's written unto them? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, God causes all things to work together. The good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I mean, there's, that, that's without a doubt one of my favorite passages of Scripture. You know? and, and there are certainly others you know, from, from this letter that Paul has written you know, under Rome. And so he speaks, he goes on to speak after he talks about being made a minister by the grace of God. He starts to speak about an offering, and that's not a foreign concept to us. I mean, we understand, you know, the Old Testament sacrifices and the offerings that were made. I mean, these were animals, you know, that, that, that you know, they were, you know, sacrificed, and there was, there was blood upon the altar. You know, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. You know, we, we understand, but Paul talks here about an offering, and in the sense of the Gentiles, you know, being an offering. And he says something about this. In the earlier chapters, we try to get some understanding and get a grip upon what Paul's talking about here. You know, when he says that, that these Gentiles might be not only an offering, but an acceptable offering unto God. And you go to Romans 12, it's been a while since we were there, right? But Paul says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, what else is God going to accept? He said holy. Then it says acceptable unto God. A, a sacrifice has to be acceptable unto God. I mean, Cain found out that his sacrifice wasn't acceptable unto God. Abel's sacrifice was acceptable unto God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, and he says that it's, it's your reasonable service. Not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you think about Paul going along and planning in all these places, you know, preaching unto the Gentiles. And there are churches that are springing up in all these different places. And there was a sweet-smelling savor and sacrifice 
that was left behind, you know, there in those places because there were Christians there that they were living in this way. You know, and, and, and if you're a believer, you live in this way because this is the work of the Spirit, you know, within you, right? That you desire that you would present yourself every day. I mean, the thoughts that, that Bruce can't see that I have, you know, there's, there's things that I don't say that are in my mind, you know, that, that all of our thoughts would be acceptable unto God. That my desires, the things that I would, that I would want to have, that those are acceptable, you know, in God's sight. That he would give me right desires. That he would give me right thoughts. That he would give me the right words to say. I mean, do you do this? Here someone comes up to me and they begin to speak about the things of God. And they begin to have questions. I don't know exactly where they've come from. I don't know exactly what circumstances they've been in. But I begin to pray. And I began to ask the Lord, direct this conversation. Give me the words that this person needs to hear. Help me to be to them what they need. Even if that means that I've got to say some bold things. And I've got to say some hard things. If I've got to tell them they're wrong about something. And this is what the Word of God says. Um, so... What's left behind here in all these places where God had sent Paul is this, there's offerings. You know, there's a sweet-smelling savor and sweet-smelling sacrifice, you know, unto the Lord and all these people that are living their daily lives in such a way that it would be a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which they considered not to be a grief, not drudgery, like, oh, I've got to read my Bible again. I've got to pray again. I've got to go to church again. I've got to go visit this person again. I've got to do whatever it is. But no, what's in their heart is, Lord, I love your word, but I, I, I want to love it more. Lord, I, I love to pray, but I would love to, love to pray more. You know? um, I, I, I love living for you, but I'd love to live for you more. I've, I've, I've spent my life in, in some degree for you, but I would love to have it spent more. And I mean, we're called to pray without ceasing, right? We're, we're called to rejoice always. I'm going to need grace to be able to do that. I'm going to need grace to be able to pray always. Because it's not in me Brother JT's been playing about that the past you know, couple of Sundays. He said, you know, it's not in man. These things that we're talking about here, praying without ceasing, rejoicing always, loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, that's not in man. Naturally speaking. But by the grace of God, it has been made a reality, you know, in our lives. Um that we desire to lay aside every weight of sin that so easily besets us, that we desire to set our affection upon things above? I mean, how many people around us have no thoughts in regards to God? That we desire the peace of God to rule in our hearts? I mean, here's this trouble over here. Here's this thing that's trying to make me afraid. Here's this thing that's trying to dominate my thoughts in, in a wrong way. 
desiring the peace of God would, would rule in my heart? That the word of Christ would dwell in me richly in all wisdom? That I would be able to teach and admonish others? Not, not, not to make myself look good. You know, not to feel good about myself. You know, that I know something that you don't know. You know. No, it's, it's that God might be glorified in your life and in mine. What are we? Paul says, here's one that waters, here's one that, that planted nothing. God's the one that's doing it all. It's all by the grace of God. That we would desire, I was, I was thinking about Joshua 22, 5, and what you remember, there, was, there, were, those, there were those tribes that, that were on this side of Jordan. You remember those, Mom? You, you talk about those oftentimes. But they were like, we'll take this for our possession. And Moses said, done, but you're going with us to fight still. You're not staying here. So it got to the point where they had, they had gone, they had battled, they had fought, and, and, and their, their, their brethren had won their own inheritance. And you get to Joshua 22.5, and Joshua says, you know, you've, you've done what, what, what was required of you. You know, you, you can go back now to that inheritance that you chose, you know, for yourselves. But he says, take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you. This is just another place where we find that thing that we know all too well, that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? He says to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. That we have even an inkling you know, of a desire to do that. I mean, it's just by the grace of God. We, we didn't have any of that in us before. You know, God came. We didn't have any desire in that regard before God's grace came into our lives. That wasn't a part of us. If it were up to us, we would fail miserably in this regard. In fact, we would just walk away from it and not even care. But it's by the mercies of God that we do so, by the grace of God that's been given you know, unto us. You think about what we're saying. These letters are being written. This letter to Rome, the Roman Christians, these letters to Ephesus and Philippi and Thessalonica and Colossia. Here he writes to the Philippians in Philippians 2.12. He says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only. That'd be one thing, wouldn't it? Well, Paul's here. We better, we better act right. And that happened, that's happened in a lot of workplaces that I've been in, hasn't it? Where you've been to? And the boss is there. Everybody's like, yeah, they're busy. The boss is gone. <sighs> time to go home yet? You know, it's time for lunch. You know, Not in my presence only, but now much more. There's one thing in his presence. You know, the boss is there. Everybody's busy. But he's saying in his absence even more so. Even more so. Not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God. We read this passage last week, but this is just a continuation of last week's message. Right? I didn't get to finish. And you're like, I'm glad you didn't because we've almost been going 45 minutes now. You know, if you had to attack this on last week, so that would have been tough. Um, but this passage we read in Philippians 2.13, how true. 
For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. We're still in this flesh. Can you murmur? Can you dispute? You know, I, I can still do that at 54 you know, years of age with, you know, my, what are you, Dad, 76 now? You got there yet? 74? Okay. He's not? <laughs> He's 75, okay. I'm already, I'm already, this year you'll be 76. I'm trying to make you 76 already. But I, I, can still, I can still dispute, you know, with him when I know that I ought not to. But I can still do it, even, even now. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. Don't you want to walk that way before this world? Don't you want to walk that way before those who are without God in this world? Without rebuke? Why? Why do you desire to do that? To think well of yourself? No, to glorify the Lord. You know, that's why we want to do that, isn't it? Without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. I think that pretty much defines where we're at right now, doesn't it? Crooked and perverse nation. Guess what? Our grandparents thought the same thing about the day they lived in. Oh, if they could see us now. You know, a crooked and perverse nation among whom... And it's not hard when everything's darkness and blackness around you and you're light to stick out, right? As whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. That's what we've got. Life. Holding forth the word of life. He says that I hearken back to what he said before, not just in my presence, my absence, but also much more in my absence. He says, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain. That I have not run in vain. Neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. This is in us. This is part of us. This is our desire. This, this is the goal that we have, is to, for me to live as Christ, right? I mean, to live out all my days, for me to live as Christ. And if I have to give even my life upon that service, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain. Again, it's God that works in us both to will. That wouldn't be a reality. If God wasn't at work within us, we wouldn't desire to do his will, both to will and to do. You know, not just, it's a good idea. I ought to do that. I want to do that, but that I actually do it. To will and to do of his good pleasure. All this, it's, it's, it's a result of the Spirit of God indwelling us, which is an amazing thing when you think about it. That God's taken up residence, you know, within us, yeah. That, that we are the temple. I mean, you think about that holy of holies where the presence of God dwelt, right? Here, that presence is dwelling within you. That's an incredible thing. 
being sanctified, he says in verse number 16, by the Holy Ghost. Let's read it there. That I should be the minister, Romans 15, 16, of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable. How is it going to be acceptable? Being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Now, the Scripture talks about him, about the Spirit of God helping our infirmities. We've got many. And that it's being spoken there of as in, in reference to prayer, but he helps our infirmities, to be sure. It's not even been a month ago, I don't think, Brother J.T. spoke to us a little bit about sanctification. You remember what the definition? He, he, he talked about, you can't say anything, brother, because you know, you, you know your own definition. But you remember what he said? He said, they, they, they try to make it complicated. But it's, it's, it's simple. It's this. You remember what he said? Hmm? What do you think? What is sanctification? It's being set apart. It's being set apart. Yep. Having the mind of Christ. What else? Hmm? Yeah. Holy. Got to be acceptable. Got to be acceptable in the sight. Here's what Brother JT said to us. It's the ongoing work of God. It's the ongoing work of God. He's at work within us. Isn't that amazing? He's at work within us. I mean, it's, it's the sort of thing that we read about in places like Jeremiah 31, where he says, I will put my law in their inward parts. He's at work within us. It's not just the Ten Commandments are out here and I'm, I'm holding them up before you every week. It's written upon your heart. It's written upon your heart to do these things. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Acceptable in his sight. They shall be my people. So if you're the Lord's in this, this is true of you. If Christ be in you, then these things are in you. These things are in you. I mean, Paul talks about it in Philippians 1, 6, saying be, being confident. It sounds similar to what he's saying here in, in Romans, right? When he says, I'm, I'm, I'm assured, I'm confident that you're, you're full of goodness by the grace of God, right? Because apart from God, we're not, right? None good, no, not one, but full of goodness. Filled with knowledge. Filled with knowledge and able to admonish one another. But Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that God started something and you've got to finish it going. It's not what it says, is it? Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, he started it. Guess what? He's going to finish it. He's going to complete it. He that begun a good work in you will perform it. So it's God who's at work in you, Right? He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Until the day that you're glorified. This sanctification is going to be an ongoing thing. It's the ongoing work of God, what Brother J.T. told us. So, if God's in you, then He's at work in you. He's at work in you. Can you look back? Are you any different than you were ten years ago? I think so. You know, I, I look back at my notes. I don't remember what year it was that I preached almost through the book of Romans. 
We were doing it on Wednesday nights. But I look back at my notes then, and the things that I've seen this second time round, I, I can see, you know, that, that there's understanding that I didn't have before. Um, I, I could see not only that, but that, that I've grown. And, and we're called to grow in grace, aren't we? To grow in grace in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, you said in your word that I'm to grow in grace. Help me to grow in grace. You think Lord will answer that prayer? He told you to grow in grace. How are you going to grow in grace? Lord, help me grow. You know, I'm not going to sit here and just you know, tense up all my muscles and, and, and strain as hard as I can and grow in grace. You know, what's it going to take? Well, prayer, being in God's Word, being here you know, on, on, on Sundays and, and, and being encouragement to one another, you know, and sitting under the Word of God, whether it's here or somewhere else, you know. Um, as I know, Brother Bruce, you know, he's not always here. He's other places at times, you know. But, um, and certainly you, Brother, what'd you say? 20, how many? 21 different churches in, in 24 months? 12 months. 12 months. That's a lot of different places. Well, un- until the Lord chooses to grant the thing that our brother desires, and that is to, it's a good thing that he desires, right? He, he wants to pastor and shepherd a flock, right? But until that time, what do we, we got to be? Well, we need to be praying for him. He asked for that, sure. You know, but if you were him, what would you have to be? Patient? Content? I mean, how many conversations have we had about that, brother, about waiting upon the Lord? And it's not just for him, it's for all of us. I'm just using, I'm just using him as an example. Um, that we're waiting upon the Lord. Um, now, here we're talking about sanctified by the Holy Ghost. We know that we're called to be holy as he is holy. And that's the set apart, you know, part, you know, right? Called to be holy as he is holy. We're going to see a lot of faults. That's by design. You know, there are things that I see in, my, in me today that I didn't see 10 years ago. God saw them the whole time. But they're being brought around now because I'm at a place where I need to see them. And I'm in a place where, I, where the Lord's going to deal with them, you know. So we're going to see our faults. What are we going to do about them? Hmm? Yeah. We're going we're gonna to look to Christ, right? I mean, we, we've, we've already talked about, you know, that, that, that you know, until the Lord returns, you know, we're going to be, be busy about this, you know, this, this thing of, of, of looking under the Lord and, and we're going we're to see these things like I'm talking about that, that, that are in need of being changed, you know, working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We read about that already this morning. What are we going to do about them? We're going to look to the Lord. You know, do, do you know the name Robert Murray McShane? I know some of you do. But he said this about that. He said, for every look at yourself, Cohen, 
Take ten looks to Christ. What was he trying to tell us? It's easy to look in here and get discouraged. Right? Where's the hope going to come from? Looking to the Lord? He's able. He's able to change that about me, whatever it may be. So by all means, examine yourselves. But by no means, after you've examined yourself, by no means fail to look to Christ. Right? You can't stay over there uh, in that place. You've got to look unto him who is the author and finisher of our faith. So difficulties, disappointments, failures, weaknesses, those are inevitable, aren't they? Those are going to happen, aren't they? But have you ever considered the possibility that these limitations, in a sense we could say, may be in a way a key to our usefulness in Christ? Think about Paul. He had the thorn in the flesh. Was that a benefit or a hindrance to him? He thought he needed to be rid of it. There are some things we think we need to be rid of that the Lord's like, no, this is necessary. This is necessary. This needs to stay. You know, he besought the Lord three times, right, to remove it. And what did the Lord say? My grace is what? Sufficient for you, right? And why did Paul say he was given that thorn in the flesh? Because of what? Hmm? Yeah, because of the abundance of revelations that had been given unto him. It would do that very thing. And so in the end, after he besought the Lord three times to remove it, what could Paul see about it? He could see the fact that when he was weak, then he was strong. I'm dependent upon the Lord and not upon myself. You know, I'm looking to him and not to me. And he was a man like we were. You know, he, he had the same weaknesses that we have. He suffered the same maladies that we do. He said in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. You know something about that, don't you? Satan buffet you? Hmm? Satan come along and accuse you? I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll work both sides of the, of the fence, won't he? You know, over here, whenever you know, you're, you're humble, you know, he'll try to cause you to be proud. You know? Or when, he's, when you're proud, he'll accuse you. you know? uh, whatever he can do to buffet you. Uh, he'll do it. So we're going to see there are things in us that we would like to have removed, but they may be the very thing necessary to our sanctification. They are part of God's working in us. Uh, they may not be removed. They may continue. Um, Paul realized, as we said, when he was weak, then he was strong. We may want to run and hide from these things. But what we really need to be doing is taking them to the Lord and asking for strength. Asking for strength and for grace from Him uh, in these things. Um, if they're, if they're going to be things that are going to be remaining you know, with us, that we're not going to be able to um, pray and they be removed. You know, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray. 
You ought to pray. Lord, could I be rid of this? You know, there, there are physical problems, and so Sister Carolyn's already thinking, what are you not taking? You know, I told you to take these things, you know. But there are physical problems that I have that I'd like to be rid of. You know, but Brother JT's already told us about man being sick this morning. He said that several times. Here I had this cold, and every time he said it, I thought, yep, I'm sick. <laughs> but the Spirit of God produces all of the graces that are within us. It's the fruit of the Spirit, right? He's the root, and that root within us of the Spirit of God produces fruit. And we could go to Galatians 5.22, and we could read about those things, but, but you understand there's fruit that's being produced within us by the Spirit of God. All part of this, this, this uh, idea of sanctification. I, I was reading once, one place this week, and, and uh, it was just a devotion that came and I'm not going to read all of it, but, but the writer said, without the Spirit of grace, we can't live up to our profession. Without the Spirit of grace, we can't copy the example of our Lord and Savior. Without the Spirit of grace, we can't keep His commandments. Without the Spirit of grace, we can't love one another as He's loved us. We can't sympathize with lost sinners as we should. We can't keep God's glory in view to do all things, whether I eat or I drink, or whatsoever I do, I'm to do all to the glory of God. I can't keep God's glory in view apart from the Spirit of grace. I can't walk in fellowship with God or with His people apart from the Spirit of grace. I can't meet death with peace and joy apart from the Spirit of grace. So we're, be, we're, we're being made holy by the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the whole of salvation here. You know, we've been justified, right? We're being sanctified, but we're going to be glorified. Yeah, yeah. So, just a few passages in closing. Just a few thoughts in these uh, passages. Second Thessalonians two thirteen says, "But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren." Beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you. You know, we talked about the good work he started. He's going to complete, right? God hath chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. I believe because of the work of God within me. 1 Peter 1, 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. Unto obedience. Obedient. I desire to obey. Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Malachi 3, 2 and 3 says, He is like a refiner's fire. You know, we, we sang a little bit about that, didn't we? In that hymn, I don't know where. This morning, what number was that? The first one that we sang, How Firm a Foundation. Anybody remember? 33? No, that's our sovereign God. That was the first one. You're right, though. I'm sorry. Was that the first one we sang? No, we sang that second part of the service. The first one was How Firm a Foundation. Uh, So what number was that? I chose that for this purpose because of what we were looking at 
uh, this morning. But how firm a foundation? 364. So y'all, y'all's minds don't work any better than mine. That's good to know. 364. There was a part of that hymn that I wanted to read. I mean, there's, there's some great things you know, spoken of in there. Um, but when through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace, we've been talking about that, haven't we? My grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame, the trouble, the trial, the tribulation, the chastisement, the flame is not designed to hurt you. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. Malachi says he's like a refiner's fire. He's like fuller's soap. You know, there's other place in Scripture where the, the, the wider than, than any fuller's you know, soap could whiten. You know, that's, 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 that's us and our righteous garments. Um, but he's like a refiner's fire, like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer. We talked about the offering of the Gentiles, sanctified by the Holy Ghost that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Our lives might be an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. Zechariah 13, verse 9 says, And I will bring the third part through the fire, and I will refine them as silver is refined, and I will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name. That's grace. To call upon the name of the Lord, that's grace. They shall call on my name. And the other part's grace too. And I will hear them. That God would hear us. It says here, I will say, and here we are calling, that we would call upon the Lord's name. And listen to what it says. I will say, it is my people. They're calling upon me. I hear them. One of my sheep is calling upon me. I will hear them. I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. You know, that's grace. That that's true of you and me, that's grace. It's the work of the Lord by which we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and our lives have become an acceptable offering unto Him. It's the ongoing work of God. It's a good definition. Sanctification, ongoing work of God. He will sanctify all these things, all these things that are happening unto us. He will sanctify them to our... I thought about Anna this week because I was listening and reminded about John Calvin that, that he had daily headaches. He suffered. That, that was a malady of his. He had daily headaches. And Anna knows something about that. I have rare... She has frequent... I have rare headaches. She has frequent headaches. That's something that God's given you know, we've, we've taken her to the doctor. We've, 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 we've sought to, to find something that would help, sought to find a, a reason, sought to find a, a remedy, sought to find a treatment. But thus far, it's been to no avail. But God's used that, and she'll tell you if you could get her to talk about it. She's kind of shy. But she'll tell you. I'll tell you for her, because she's told me that the Lord's used that in her life. You know, 
I mean, think about Paul, thorn in the flesh. I mean, she, he's used those, those headaches to cause her to turn unto him, to look unto him. If I need headaches for the rest of my life to cause me to turn unto the Lord and look unto him, then the Lord knows what's best. You know, the Lord knows what's best for me. Ezekiel thirty-seven fourteen says, I shall put... What is it, brother? Go ahead. Yes. Right. Let this cup. Yeah. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's our heart, isn't it? You know. You think about. I'm 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 stepping on a message that's coming, but a little bit. But you think about the Apostle Paul. He had infirmity. He was an apostle. And he had infirmity. He healed people from diseases. The Lord did through him. And he had infirmity. I mean, maybe sight given to people that didn't have it, and his sight was still dim. You know? That... Yeah. That's remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, some people might look at that and say, what kind of apostle are you? You know, I mean, that certainly would be the idea today, right? With these people that are that are swinging their, their take my jacket off and swinging at somebody and they fall over backwards. You know, that there's nothing wrong. They're they're well, they're whole. They don't have any infirmities. I bet you they do. We we saw a TV program just recently. I know you were thinking about it, but the whole. The whole idea behind it, you know, was here's this guy that had one of those type of ministries and he had severe back problems, Brother Donnie. And he built, he built a door into his, his, uh, his office or house, I can't remember, but it was a secret door where at night the doctor came in, you know, once a month or so on, some, some frequency of time to give him cortisone injections, you know, so that, so that he, could, he could walk amongst those people that he had... He had uh, bamboozled, you know. Um, nothing wrong with me. I'm. You can be like me, you know. Um, but here Paul is. He has infirmity. Why do you have infirmity? God said, "This is necessary. You 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 have need of this, because when you're weak, you you you're where you ought to be. You know. You you see me for who I am." Um, but Ezekiel thirty-seven fourteen, I shall put my spirit in you, sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live. Right, Brother JT? You shall live. And I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Have we not known? Have we not heard? Have we not seen these things in our lives? That the Lord has done these things. He's caused us to live. And not we ourselves. We haven't done it. He's done it. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and do of his good pleasure, right? Aren't we thankful that the Lord has granted us such grace and given unto us his spirit to abide with us and and dwell within us? Speak unto us. Guide us, lead us, give us understanding, sanctify us. Make us like Christ. 
Well, let's stand and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. I'll tell you, the more I determine to try to just hold a message to 30 or 45 minutes, the more I can't seem to do so. Um, so, uh, I think the one that you sent to me, one of them was real close to an hour back in 99, so maybe I thought I used to preach shorter than I do. I didn't. I'm not sure. But I trust that I haven't worn you out. I trust that there's been something that the Lord's given you this morning. Uh, if, if, if nothing else, just to remind you, just to be a remembrance of by the grace of God in your life and what a miracle it is and how thankful you ought to be for it. And how we ought to be looking to the Lord because we didn't get where we are on our own. We ain't going to make it the rest of the way on our own. How we need the grace of God every single day. Well, let's pray.